1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today we're going to hear all about the cautionary fails of a self-proclaimed expert on bad relationships. This is right after Valentine's Day, so we're hearing it all, everything to do with relationships. The book is great. It's called Let's Talk About X, Baby, and it's written by Karen Zeifman with a foreword by George Strombopoulos, and this entertaining, hilarious, racy, brutally honest, and sometimes highly emotional collection of stories is so relatable, human, honest, sometimes quite shocking and very provocative. And even one of the real housewives of New York City, Sonia Morgan, gave the book a fabulous review, calling it a relatable and hilarious take on men dating and bad relationships. We've all been there, right? Before we meet the author, let me tell you a little bit more about Karen Seifman. Karen is a digital specialist and senior copywriter with over 20 years of experience working with some of the world's most recognized brands. Let's Talk About X Baby is Karen's first book, but not her first bad relationship. She currently lives in Toronto, Canada with her 12-year-old son and Scottish-fold kitten Holly, ah, searching for her next noteworthy ex. Let's talk about X Baby, and I have it right here. You can see it's a little dog-eared, a lot of uh, turn pages here, is a laugh out loud followed by a good cry, entertaining and brutally honest collection of mishaps that will really make you rethink how you search for love. But don't start scrolling Kijiji for cats just yet. Every cautionary fail, as she calls it, is meant to nudge you in the right direction towards whatever your happy ending looks like to you. Unabashed and unfiltered author Karen Zeifman's voice and candor will appeal to anyone still trying to strive and thrive after or during a bad relationship. So if you've ever been an accidental gold digger, breadcrumbs, and we'll find out what that means, in a thruple but didn't know it, MTV punked on your birthday, dumped for a Trump supporter, Ziggy Marley, then this hilarious tell-all is for you, a reminder to both women and men everywhere, and I want to say that, women and men everywhere, that our experiences are always lessons learned. Karen Zeifman, welcome to Finding Your Bless.
2: Hi, thank you.
1: So the book is great. Congratulations on Let's Talk About X Baby. It really is, as just mentioned, compelling, funny, readable, and quite racy. And you really write so well. <laughs> and I also love it. Thank you. you. I love that you're using all this Gen Z and millennial language, because I think I'm perpetually 22. So I just <laughs> got right into it. And uh, <laughs> I have to ask you, most people break up with someone they go see their theory or their coach. Yes. Or they talk to their friends all night long reliving it. And I'm sure you did all of those things, but you also decided to write a book about it. Can you tell us what motivated you so strongly to write this book?
2: I just, yeah, I think I agree with you. You know, You talk your friend's ears off for hours and hours and hours, and they're getting sick of hearing you talk. But For me, because I'm a writer, I think it was just more therapeutic. I just started to write stuff down and I was writing all the bad stuff down and it was sort of like, well, now this is real. This is in front of me and I'm reading it over and I'm like, wow, this guy was really not a nice person. and it started off, I was just going to write blogs. I started a blog and I started doing that. And then I thought, why not just treat every chapter as a blog? And then at the end of eight months, I had a book.
1: Wow. So is yeah. that where that's where sexy Pringle came from,
2: right? That came from your yeah, blog. I used to have a website called sexypringle.com and I would blog there and, you know, I would just write about funny stuff that happened in my relationships. And um, it was getting pretty popular. So a writer friend of mine just suggested to me that, I think you've got a book here. This is bigger than a blog. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, maybe I'll try. And then I just did it. And at the end of the, you know, it took me about eight months, a year to write it. So... Was it
1: fun? Was it a fun process writing the book? Did you enjoy
2: it? It was so much fun because some of the stuff is so hilarious, <laughs> but it was also hard to relive it. While mm-hmm. I was writing it, I had to remember all these little details that I think subconsciously I have been pushing away yes. and not thinking about. And so it was tough. I think that I didn't get over all those relationships that I was talking about, like during the process of writing it, I think I was still in it. Mm -hmm. Now that the book's been published, and a couple years have gone by, I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that's old news on to the next, like, thank you, next kind of thing. But it was tough, because you have to sort of stay in it and live in it. And, you know, so you're just sort of reliving the past for mm-hmm. a year
1: of writing. So. And then you let it go. It's like, even now we were talking during the break in the green room about Ros Weston, same thing. Like it was so much while he was writing it so intense. And then you sort of, yeah. it, it takes on a life of its own and you're able to let yeah. go a little more. I thought I had a colorful dating life before I married Cliff. So almost 30 years ago. <laughs> but I have to say that your dating life takes the cake. In fact, you even have a chapter called Will There Be Cake, which was all about a gourmet meal that one of your boyfriends promised to purchase, prepare and cook for you. Can you tell me more about what happened on that date? And it was like it ended um, up being four little ribs or something. It was like, what? Yeah, that was the
2: chapter on the theme of that chapter is more about should men stay with you for an important holiday? Like if they're already thinking of breaking up with you, should they break up with you before your birthday or before Christmas or Valentine's Day or wait till after? Right. And I experienced a horrible birthday celebration and then got broken up with two days after. So my whole thing is, you know, I, there were so many other D-listers I could have hung out with. It didn't need to be that guy. And, you know, I could have had a really great birthday, but instead he positioned it as this really great birthday. He was going to uh. throw me this party. It was during COVID. So we just had dinner at his house and he's like, I'm going to make this and that and whatever. And no birthday gift. I think there was a card. Yeah. He, uh, thanks for being you. I was like, oh, when you get a card that says, Thanks for being you. You know, it's over. (laughs) Thanks for being you. So I got a a thanks for being you card. And then I'm sitting down at the table and four beef bones, two for Uh. him, two for me. Nothing else on the table, nothing. Oh, God. And it just sort of went downhill from there. Uh, we had, I mean, it was fun. I tried to make the best of it, but I was just disappointed with the lack of effort. And his birthday had been a couple of weeks prior, and I had gone out of my way to do a really elaborate night for him. And so right. it just. It stung a little. And so, uh, but the thing uh, is, it's like break up with me before the birthday, you know, yeah. I would let be sad, fun. but right, yeah, right. like let me go out with the girls. And totally, you know, totally, yeah. totally. So that's what happens. Okay. On a
1: happier note, I think I can't go, <laughs> I can't go any further without asking about Canadian media personality. And I have to say hottie. Can I say that? Honey, do you mind? Sorry, but I have you to say that. Um, yeah, hottie, no, uh, George Strombopoulos, also known as strombo. So not only did he write the intro to your book, which is tre cool, but he actually is one of your exes too. And you've had a long on again and off again relationship with him that settled finally into a really nice, really close friendship. And even though he agreed to write the intro to your book, his one caveat was that he wouldn't read the chapter that you wrote about him. Can you explain and tell us more about George?
2: Yes. So I dated George back when we were in our 20s. So it was a long time ago. No, Well, not that long ago. I don't want to age myself. But it was a while back. And he was actually a really nice guy. And I was going through my I like bad boy phase. So it didn't really work out because... He was so nice. He was actually too nice. He was really wow. sweet. And we had a really good connection and we had a really good friendship. And then I think a few years later, you know, I was like, oh, I made a mistake. I tried getting back together with him. And I mean, he was having no part of it. This was before the fame though, but I think he still had, you know, he had a lot of options. And I think that there was just too much history between us. I think it we were better off as friends. So I finally, you know, I, I mean, I accepted that we were friends. And we've just remained, we've been in touch over the years. You know, if I call him, he, he will pick up the phone. You know, he's very busy, but he picks up the phone still when I call. And nice. I just asked him if he would write my foreword for me. I told him I was writing a book. I told him I was going to be writing about him, but nothing bad. And, um, he said, sure. He agreed. He said, you know, and I mean, I think that his message in the forward is so important because you can sometimes remain friends mm-hmm. with people from your past, not always, but we have a mutual respect for each other and a love for each other as friends. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's sort of how that came about. But, What I wrote about him in the chapter, and I mean, it's just a cute little story. I wanted to get back together with him. This was on one of my many attempts. So I called him up at like three o'clock in the morning and he answered. (laughs) And I said, I think someone's breaking into my apartment. I love this
1: story in the book and you got in bed you got and crawled into bed with him yes
2: so I said can I come over I'm really scared and like I was living on like the fifth floor of an apartment there was no way anyone was breaking in and he's like of course you can come over like come over so I'm like curling my hair putting on makeup (laughs) went to his house crawled into bed with him and I'm like didn't work it, we didn't get back together but he was so sweet he's like if you're scared yes of course come over three o'clock that
1: was nice <laughs> love that so yeah i love it now is it true that he didn't read the chapter that you wrote about him he, he wrote the intro to your book is fabulous he
2: told me he said to me i've asked him a couple times because i'm like did you i texted him i'm like did Sorry, text my current boyfriend always gets mad at me for saying texted <laughs> Texas. Um, he texted me and I messaged him and I said, did you really not read the chapter? Like, aren't you curious? And, uh, and he said,
1: no, he, no, he, he didn't. He's need so to. cool. He did, he's, he's so he knew what it was. <laughs> He knew, he knew what it was and he obviously trusted you and it's so interesting actually that actually displays and exhibits a lot of trust because he felt chill about it he knew it was going to be cool he and... knew I wasn't going to say anything bad right, about him right, and I
2: mean right. I, I don't actually have anything to say badly about him so yeah it was oh, I, but I such, a win, such <laughs> a win on my part that he <laughs> took the time because he's such a busy guy and so I really appreciated that that's so cool now I just have to get him to do he's got a book club on Apple I I need him to get, I need to, I need to be like, Hey, you wanna? he won't,
1: but I should ask. <laughs> maybe you never know. You, all, you always have to ask. There are definitely red flags in relationships and dating, and you've really collected a wagon of them, maybe a fleet of wagons. And once when you were putting your son to bed, a video showed up of talk show host, Steve Harvey. Love that guy. I watch. Yes. Love him. Love him. I watch and him all the time. In every computation and permutation, whether it's little big shots or whether I'd love to have him on the show or whether it's, you know, Family feud, or just him talking to women and to men about relationships. He's so cool. And he said, Don't get into the habit of collecting red flags because before you know it, you'll have a wagon full of them and you'll be stuck with the same loser. So you say red flags are your cues to leave and you talk about everything from fat shaming, temper tantrums to never having your back, lies, excuses, substance abuse, zero communication skills, disrespecting women and dangling money and gifts to keep you interested. Wow. And there's more that I'm not even saying on the radio. Uh, So you have to read the book. Let's talk about X baby to hear more. But a lot of women do fall for these. Can you tell us more about some of the red flags that you saw? And even though you saw those red flags, you kept going back for more, which a lot of us do.
2: I think that when you fall in love with someone, you tend to ignore things that maybe come up because they're, they're small little things. So you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I mean, obviously a big thing of substance abuse or right. alcohol abuse, that's a bigger issue. And I right. had to deal, and I was dealing with that as well. So that's a major red flag, but like little things where, you know, you mentioned the laundromat one. Oh yeah. man. So <laughs> yeah. my boyfriend at the time got into a huge fight with some woman in front of her kids. I can't, he told her, he called her the C word because she didn't take her clothes out of the dryer quick enough. And it was all on video. And then he got banned from the downstairs laundromat. He rented, he lived in an apartment building and, you know, he was telling me this story, but he was so proud when he was telling it to me and didn't think he had done anything wrong. And I'm like, You're a dad. You're a dad, too. You said that in front of her children. He goes, oh, they know she's that. And and so it was just little things like that. And I mean, that's certainly not really a... I mean, the bigger issue is just anger and right not being able to handle yourself in situations that's right. the red flag right. but it was that laundromat situation
1: that i was like oh. like but you wh- let it go
2: you let things right.
1: go right like someone like george is a mensch this guy does not sound like a mensch am i right
2: he wasn't a mensch he wasn't yeah. a mensch he's the yeah. guy that if someone looks at him the wrong way in a bar he like we're taking this outside right. he's the guy that always takes it outside to fight He's a, you know, and, and he's that guy.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I have a question. I used to produce the Shirley show years ago, which is kind of like the Oprah show for, for people who don't remember it on CTB. And I did it for four or five years. And I once produced an hour on a woman who had 18 plastic surgeries to turn herself into a living, breathing Barbie doll. And so when I was reading your book at, around the laundromat story time, but all throughout, until the end, when I think you've shifted, I wondered why would such a beautiful and intelligent girl like Karen, which you are, (laughs) and so many of us, and so many of us do this, keep choosing and accepting bad treatment from guys who are really not deserving, or don't actually see how great we really are. And one of the things that happened on that show was this therapist from New York, Dr. Judy Kuriansky said, that Barbie doll lacked self-esteem. Do you think at the time that you were putting up with stuff because you didn't have that self-esteem for whatever reason? Because I look at you and it's hard to figure out how that could be possible. (laughs) Yeah. But you, and I know you've evolved, but at the time you were choosing guys who really were losers. Like, what do you think that was all about?
2: I mean, I'd like to think now that I've had some growth that I can't say that I didn't have low self-esteem because I probably did at the time, but I still in my heart don't believe that I did. I think that what happened was someone positions themselves one way Mm -hmm. and you get to know a person that isn't really that person. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was more tricked than choosing these losers because I didn't think I could get anyone better. Right, right, right. So... When the things started coming out that made me think, "Oh, maybe these g- this guy or these guys aren't who they say that they are," I was already invested right. and right. already in love with them, and right. so I just let it go. Right. But you know, you're right. There has to be some sort of self esteem issue or something that's going on that right. I'm. I guess I'm still trying to work on that.
1: Because you're right, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't I just leave, right? Right. And go for the guy that's just going to treat you like a princess and a queen and just be so good to you. And I sometimes I wonder, because we've all done this, and I, I related to a lot of things throughout the book, where you choose a guy who's really good looking, and then you hope that everything else is going to work, right? And that their personality yeah. is going to match their look. So that can sometimes be a trap. Like, there's all kinds of reasons why we yeah. get in it in the first place there's something yeah. that it, or that, you that,
2: choose the guy with money and you know one of the major relationships that I talk about in the book also the one guy was a loser the <laughs> other guy just had money but he didn't have any other leg to stand on so but he reeled me in that way right and, right and i
1: fell for it i mean it's it's nice to be spoiled and of course it's intoxicating yeah. and i don't know yeah. now if you're talking about the guy i'm not going to say his age cuz we're super and but he was older he was an older man is that the one we're talking about? 20 years, 20 years older, 20 years, you're, you're senior. And, and, and that's, and I know you started off with him thinking, oh, this is just going to be fun. I'm going to get to go to some great dinners, but you did really fall for him. And you did have like a great sex life and a, and then everything I did until that restaurant. I'm still surprised, but yeah, (laughs) but the restaurant, not good. And that's again, talk about red flags. Oh my God. When someone's not proud of you or does something like that, look, this is not cool what he did. You have to read it to find out unless you want to tell us.
2: I mean, I can briefly tell you that I, is that the one where I got caught with the (laughs) Flasks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, my sister and I got these really cool bracelet flasks in Vegas. It looks like a bracelet, but it you put a vodka in it. And I was, it was a cutesy thing. I would go to restaurants with my boyfriends at the time and I would bring a little extra. And sometimes if our drinks were done, I would just top us up and we got caught. I, I guess I had had a few too many and I, and the manager came over, started screaming and yelling at us and, you know, threatening to call the police. I mean, it, I mean, I didn't, my sister who, who's got a law degree told me it's not a crime to bring alcohol into an establishment. But anyway, he got up from the table and told the manager that, he just met me and it was a first date and he called me a broad and said, I don't know. I don't really know this broad It's a first date. I'll never bring her here again. Mm-hmm. He was my serious boyfriend at the time. He had just bought me a Hermes bracelet. It was Valentine's Day that he'd mm. given to me that night. Mm. And yeah, it was just
1: a Crabby. huge slap in the Crabby. face. not yeah. good. And these are yeah. the things that we don't want. You even, you're brutally honest in the book. And I think that's what's so refreshing. Like there's no sugarcoating anything. You're brutally honest. You talk about how you went to rehab for weed addiction and you, and you're also great <laughs> at laughing at yourself because compared obviously to all the other people who were obviously there for way more intense uh, situations, yeah. you, you said that like, people were kind of like laughing because it was like weed compared to whatever, but you hadn't told them about the codeine cough syrup that you had imbibed, if that's the right word, the night before or something and all the other stuff. So I think it was a good thing that you did this. What happened after that experience?
2: I think it's just a good thing to, the reason why I'm okay talking about it is because people just think weed is no big deal. But what I learned at the time, and this was 25 years ago, but I had a problem and it doesn't really matter what your addiction is, if it's food, if it's weed, if it's cocaine, like it doesn't matter what it is. Can I say cocaine on here?
1: Sure, sure.
2: <laughs> okay, um, it doesn't matter what the addiction is. Yeah. If you have a problem and you need help, you have yes. to go and seek the help. So right. the doctor said to me, "You can join the rehab, the group, and you've got a problem and you need help." And so I said, "Sure, I'll give it a try." But yes, yeah. of course, everyone made fun of me and no one took me seriously for about three months. And then finally, I've sort of integrated my. You know, I they accepted me as one of them. And I stopped, I quit. It was one of, it was a preventative thing like Botox where I was like, (laughs) if I don't quit, if I don't quit now at 25, when I'm 35, I'm still going to be smoking a joint before I go to bed every night. And I just didn't want to be that girl.
1: And so... I, Smart. I had to go and get help. I, yeah. I think that's so exemplary. I think it's exemplary that you did it. And I think it's exemplary Thanks. that you talk about it in such an honest, like brutally honest way. Like it's so cool. You're transparent. And I think this yeah. is why you have evolved so incredibly. <laughs> I feel like you've dated every type of guy there is. I, again, I thought I did, but oh my God. The guy who turns his garage into a man cave, the guy who keeps a tent in his trunk the guy who rents an apartment with parquet flooring. I wonder if the laundromat guy had parquet floors. I was going to ask you that, but that's... That's, that's uh, the same
2: guy. That's oh, the same guy. I knew, it. I, La- knew <laughs> it.
1: I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And, 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 and the guy who isn't a straight shooter. There are worse ones that I'm not mentioning on the show, but man, were you with all of these people or some of these were some of these stories that you've heard from friends?
2: No, it all happened to me. <laughs> oh yeah, unfortunately, these are stories
1: that all happened to me directly. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you, 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 even, you even devote a whole chapter in the book. And, and I know, and I'm going to say this word, I want to preface it so people don't think this word about you because I know you weren't actually this word, but you call the chapter about how you became a prostitute for a month. So please like redefine that because I want our audience to know exactly what you yeah. meant by that, but how it happened and what ultimately made you shut down that account. If you want to hear what happened to Karen after she set up this online account, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this short commercial break back in a moment. we are back and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zuma Radio AM 740. And I'm here with author Karen Zeifman. And Karen, just before the break, I was wondering what happened. You talk about it in the book when you got involved with this online escort service. It was very short-lived. Can you tell us about it?
2: Yes. So I talk about it because I didn't really take it seriously and so I'm allow- you know I'm allowing myself to poke fun at myself at the same time. I wasn't really a prostitute. I just after a breakup, I joined one of those websites that it's called what's your or one of those websites where you have to sort of make an arrangement with a guy that they pay you to go out on a date with them. Right. And I just did it. I thought, well, it'll be an easy way to grab some good expensive dinners and meet some guys and just distract myself from the hurt and pain that I was going through from the breakup that I had just experienced. Right. So I just went out with about three guys I think no one paid me. I made no money. I would so I would feel guilty. They would take me to these nice expensive restaurants and then at the end of the night when they would go to give me the extra money, I would be like, "No, no, it's no, you it's got okay. dinner. It's fine." And I'm like, "Clearly I'm not cut out for this." And and I just didn't it wasn't making me feel better after I would get home from the dates. I mean, it was only three, but still after I would even in general, when I was dating regular guys on right. regular websites, yes, I just wasn't ready. And mm-hmm. I hadn't processed everything that had happened with the breakup. And right. I just decided to shut it down and just work on myself and write a book.
1: Smart. So, Smart, <laughs> yeah. smart. Yeah, smart. yeah. I, I think that's so, so important. Also, I listened to one of your podcasts that you were on called the Godfathers of podcasting, where your friend Donnie, one of the hosts of the show talks about how you discussed a lot of these guys with him. And he gave you all this advice, which you jokingly admit you didn't listen to, but you still yes. learned a lot from being able to talk about it. Tell us about Donnie and the value of a really good guy friend.
2: I mean, I there's value to it, but it's also really annoying because he's always like, I told you, I told, you know, and right, every, right. and he, you know, he actually made me a shirt that says Donnie is always right yes. uh, and gave it to me for Christmas a few <laughs> years ago because I would, I mean, I think it's great to have a guy friend that you can get the male perspective from. Yes. Um, there was a lot of insight that he would tell me and I would be like, no, and he, he still loves me. We're going to get back together. He's like, Karen. <laughs> He's not, he doesn't like you anymore. He's just, you know, or he would tell me things and I never took his advice. But I think in the back of my mind, I knew that he was right. And I'll never admit it to him fully. Like I tell him he's 90% right most of the time, but not all the time. All the and time. Um, you also have to remember when you reveal stuff to friends, they're coming to the table with their own experiences and with their own trauma and all that stuff. So it's a biased opinion. It's always a biased
1: opinion, of course, regardless of, course. of who you're talking to. One of the things you talk about in the book is breadcrumbing. What exactly is breadcrumbing? And haven't we all done this? Oh my God.
2: Breadcrumbing is when a man or woman, it's not exclusive to just men, but it, when a man will string you along for a period of time or indefinitely without any intention of taking you back or wanting to try again or anything, but just to keep you as an option. Yeah, terrible. And that's called breadcrumbing. And so that happened to me and I let it go on for about eight months. Wow! And I mean, it was just ridiculous. The, the stuff he, you know, he would talk to me on the phone for hours. We had already broken up at this point. I'd call him and he would pick up and talk to me for two hours, not, you know, not get off the phone. Tell me that my toothbrush was still in his cup holder in his bathroom. Holding and on, yeah. just, just trying to give me that sort of glimpse of hope that maybe one day we're going to get back together. And he was already on to the next girl at that point. And I found that out later, but he had no intention of getting back together with me. But we want to believe
1: it, right? We want to believe it when we're in that thing. Listen, I I remember one guy, I remember looking for his car everywhere. And I remember, in fact, in those days, there wasn't even drug texting. The drive-bys.
2: the (laughs) drive-bys. Those are
1: bad. (laughs) Looking for the license. And you know what? In those days, I am dating myself a little there wasn't even drunk texting. There was drunk calling, which is much worse than yes, drunk texting. Yes, I know, very bad. I know. Very, very bad. I love when you talk about your best friend, Joanna, uh, aka Jojo, who is a lifelong best friend who you met when you were 16, who I know as well. She was on our very yes. first show four years ago. And you spend a lot of time talking about friends who are here for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And when it's time to walk away from a friend, can you tell us more about your takeaway from this chapter about, keeping the people in your life who will always celebrate you. And I love when you get to this because that's when I can see you evolving. Who can recognize that Karen is great and Karen is the best (laughs) and Karen is fabulous. And it does begin with friendships, right?
2: Yeah. I think that when I was writing this chapter, I was thinking to myself, you know, that whole thing about the guys, just people come into your life for a reason or a light, you know, or light, you know, a season or a lifetime. And I thought, but that actually applies to everybody. And Mm -hmm. then I started thinking about things that had happened in my life over the past couple of years and just friendships that have ended and friendships that have stuck. And I just think it's important to celebrate the people that, have your back and are loyal to you. And when you are in a relationship with a man or a woman, if there isn't loyalty and if there's no trust, Mm -hmm. then don't keep those people in your life. So the message is, Get rid of the guy or get rid of the girl. And I had to do that a few times. You know, I had a very close friend, uh, not a very close friend, but a close friend who she was the one who set me up with my boyfriend. So she did the setup. And when we broke up, she was my rock. I was calling her crying all the time. Well, it turns out her best friend from high school was sleeping with him right after me and before me, during mm-hmm. the break that we went on, and also after his marriage ended, I think that was who he went to for a little fun after after he his marriage got separated. So she didn't tell me, right. and my issue was no. And I understand what it's like when your best friend. I mean, if Jojo told me a secret, I'm not. T- I mean, no one's no one's getting that secret. Right. But she would ask me questions, mm-hmm. and she would talk to me on the phone and look me me right in the face, knowing that she had this information and not telling me about it. And so I had to, I ended the friendship. I say in the chapter, it's, it's cloudy right now. So, you know, I'll message her a happy birthday. We talk every now and then, but we're not friends anymore. No. because Yeah. She didn't have my back.
1: Trust is everything and I'm not even going into the story and people have to read it to know this, but I think it was Sarah with the job. You got the girl the job. And then she, you know, that whole thing, she tried to take a job from you. Like all that stuff, that's not cool. Like that's just not guy or girl. That's not like you want to have people's back. I love when your parents who do have your back hired a Jewish matchmaker. And I think I I recognize some of the people you matched with. So we're not going to go there. But, and then ultimately... (laughs) I'm not going to go there, but ultimately you ended up with someone you had dated for years and who you spent many chapters in the book talking about. We just talked about him. How cool was that full circle thing when you ended up with the older guy?
2: I don't think it was really cool, but (laughs) I think it's funny. It's funny. So I met this matchmaker when I was in my early 30s. I thought, I'm just going to give it one more go. I'm going to see if I meet a guy, I'll get married, have a baby. And um, she set me up with all these people that had nothing to do with what I had asked her for. Mm -hmm. And then years later, after my son is born, she kind of messaged me on Messenger or Facebook and said, are you single? And I said, yeah. And she goes, I've got a guy for you. And then it turned out to be the older gentleman that I dated. So wow. yeah, that she is... did. That introduction was made by the matchmaker, but she was
1: working for the guy, not me this time. So right, 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 right. Yeah. What are some of the lessons, Karen, that you've learned that you want to pass on to your readers and to all of us about, before I can ask you this question, you have this fabulous list at the back of the book of things like when you kiss for hours, when they hold your face while they're, they're kissing you. Yeah. When, when you, when you have that soul connection and all that great stuff. And I love that list so much. Cause that really has to be our A plus go-to. And so I guess I want to ask you, have you found that list yet? That whole list that you wrote, are you experiencing any of that right now?
2: I actually am. I Aww. met someone about two months ago and we're together and it's, it's wonderful right now. So yeah, I'm really happy. My friend at work said to me, you're going to find love because of this book. And I said, you're crazy. No, if anything, guys aren't going to want to date me because of this book. (laughs) They'll be scared. And I, one of the people that wrote one of the blurbs on the back is the person I'm currently with now. And So I initially reached out to him to write a blurb for me. And what ended up happening was we ended up talking and getting to know each other. And he has a podcast as well. So I was a guest on his show. And the conversation was just really good. And people were messaging me after they saw the podcast. They said, what's there's something, there's some <laughs> sexual tension and
1: something's there. And I love that. Yeah, oh, yeah he's great. He's great. Did he sign the non-disclosure agreement that you have at the back of your book?
2: (laughs) We have talked about it. And I did promise him I'll never write a book
1: about him if things
2: don't work out. But no, I haven't made him to sign it. I should, actually. That would be really funny.
1: That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I am so happy that that's how it ended up for you. I really am. What's your best (laughs) advice for women who are still in this, who are still bum magnets? Let's say that. Can I say that word? And are just not, like are not going for the right guy. What can you tell them? Some lessons you've learned that you want to pass on to your readers and to all of us.
2: Yeah, I think that the biggest lesson, and I don't want to sound cliche, but you have to just trust your intuition because you have the answers already. They're already there. And it's just a matter of choosing to listen Mm -hmm. because all those red flags and all those things that come up, if it doesn't sit right with you in your stomach, it's not going to end well. So my advice is just to appreciate your worth. Mm -hmm. not settle because women after a certain age start to panic and settle. And I have friends that are doing it, you know, after 40. And you're premium. I always, I call myself premium. I'm I'm premium real estate and and I know my worth now. So when I see stuff that I don't particularly like, I speak up, first of all. I used to not say anything because I'd be scared that I would be broken up with if Mm -hmm. I said something to make him mad or that kind of thing. Now I speak up and what I'm noticing with the relationship that I'm in right now, we have really good communication and communication is key in a relationship. Mm
0: -hmm. We talk
2: about things. We don't fight. We just talk. If I'm upset about something or if he's upset about something and yeah, just know your worth and just don't settle and don't put up with crap anymore. Don't stay because you think you can't find anything because there's, right. we've all got options. Always. And I think women forget that we have options.
1: That's so great. There's always someone else around the corner. So I really want everyone to get this book. Let's talk about X baby. And especially look at that chapter. It's called kiss and tell where Karen has this beautiful checklist of things that will tell you that this relationship is not mediocre, that it's special, what it's like to feel that you're in a romantic movie. And uh, I just absolutely love that, that. I mentioned the grabbing your face with both hands when he's kissing you. And there's so many wonderful ones on this list in this book that will tell you that you are on track and that there are more McDreamy guys out there who you can live happily ever after with. And you should never settle, wait for the fireworks. And I'm so glad you're experiencing those fireworks right now, Karen. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: pretty, uh, it's pretty nerve wracking actually, but it's a nice change. So yeah.
1: That's so great. What is bliss for Karen Zeifman?
2: I think it's just sort of living in the now and being happy with everything that's sort of coming to me and allowing good
1: things to happen and not pushing things away at this current time. That's so great. I hope they continue to happen for you. And I'm so happy that your story has a happy ending. What is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you on social media? And of course, to get a copy of Let's Talk About ex Baby?
2: Yes. The book is available at all Indigo locations and you can also get it on Amazon and all the other places that you could buy online books, but mostly the books are being sold at Indigo and that's where I think people are getting them. And I have a website, karenzeifman.com and Instagram
1: is Man. So right. Yeah. Right. That's where you can find me. We'll be posting lots of you on there to yes. promote this show. And that'll, that'll be so cool. I want to thank you so much, Karen, for being on the show today. It really was delightful having you. And I love the book. It's great. I loved being on your show. Thank you so much. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More finding your bliss and some fabulous singing. I can't tell you from who yet. they will find
0: out right after this short break.
1: We are back and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio AM 740 FM 96.7. And we're now joined by the talented singer Rochelle Coleman. But what's really cool, we were just talking about this before the break, is that Rochelle actually works at Microsoft by day and then... By night, she is a singer, a talented singer and musician, so it's pretty cool. And the two really do work together, and we'll hear about that in a moment. But Rochelle believes that music levels all playing fields and really unites humanity. How true. She started her music career early in life, playing Oliver in the City of London production at the age of eight. She took every opportunity to engage in all school activities, and by the age of 12, had performed as a local Hamilton, Ontario performer, And Tiny Talent Time. I love that show. Rochelle attended Unionville High School, their arts program, as a piano and singing major and embraced all genres of music with a specific interest in both musical theater and top 40 rock country. In 2005, Rochelle won the Nashville North Country Music Competition and had the privilege of experiencing the recording studio for the first time. Rochelle also won a Microsoft Global Idol competition, having the privilege of performing in front of 18,000 attendees at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, Georgia. Most recently, Rochelle has competed in the World Karaoke Competition and this year placed third nationally with her duet partner. She is also an alumnus of the Unsung Hero production cast and feels it's a great privilege to perform for good. You'll find Rochelle focused on her local band, Sugar, along with solo performances across the GTA. And as she loves to say, when words fail, music speaks. A beautiful quote by Hans Christian Andersen. Rochelle Coleman, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you so much, Judy. Such a privilege to be here. Rochelle, I first saw you sing on stage. And then anytime I've ever heard you sing on social media, anywhere... I just thought to myself, wow, that girl is super talented. Can you take us back to what it was like playing Oliver at eight years old? What a wonderful role. What are your memories of that experience?
3: Well, probably the most vivid is that I'm a a female and the role itself was a male role. But at that age, you know, your voice sounds the same, your vocals you know, your vocal cords are still developing. So certainly it was such a privilege and also quite a complicated role at such a young age to get up and be that, you know, little boy per se. So what I learned, I learned a few things very early on is that theater is a team sport and also being in a band or any type of musical group is a team sport. And just because there's always a perception that there's a lead uh, in my world, there's no lead. Everyone plays a very specific role. And if one person does not live up to that role, then the whole thing kind of collapses. And even as recently as putting a new band together, one of the suggestions was, well, let's call it, you know, Rochelle and the Rockets. And I'm like, I've never been a fan of band names that pick one musician out of the crew and make that the title because it's not true. Uh, a band cannot you know, survive with just a bass or just a drum. So that's what I learned with Oliver and also just being much more comfortable in front of audiences, right? So seeing the audience, getting responses from that audience, uh, not seeing them as, you know, so often people say, well, pretend they're a bunch of a head of cabbages or pretend <laughs> they're not wearing anything. Right. I and embraced a very significant, you know, the opposite of that is really truly, get the energy from the audience. You can see at any point in time when someone is really enjoying something, or maybe, you know, you can focus a little bit more on the reaction from others. So
1: that's probably the biggest thing I learned in that early age. I saw that performance online of you performing in front of 18,000 people in the global idol competition. That Mm. must have been an unbelievable experience. Did you get nervous performing in front of such a huge crowd? You know,
3: my level of nervousness is the same as if I'm singing in my family room with my family in front of me all the way through to 18,000 people. You know, it was very interesting because as I walked out on that stage, one of our very, very senior leaders, like at the time, the person who worked for Bill Gates was walking off the stage And with that in mind, he said to me, have fun out there, Rochelle. And I was so flabbergasted that he knew my name. I think I forgot the fact that I was walking out to 18,000 people. Right. So I was like, wow, you really, uh, you, you got me here. So yeah, I just, I feel like it's your moment. There should be some healthy nervousness. Use that nervousness to elevate your, your energy on stage And just always remember that there's nobody out there who is necessarily not vying for you or supporting you. Um, And that also it would be just as difficult for them to get up and do what you're about to do. So you're not being compared. Just again, whether it's 18,000 or one, it's how do you make these folks smile? And that's kind of what I have in mind when I
1: go out. I love that. You believe that music is healing and it heals in many different ways. Briefly, can you tell us what you mean by that?
3: Yeah, I mean look, there's uh everyone has their spiritual following whether it's a more institutionalized, you know, religion versus someone like myself who really follows music as my religion per se. I do feel that it's the one thing in the world that nobody debates. You might have different choices, different genres, but the ability to get uh, to emote something, to have someone understand something is all grounded in music. At the end of the day. So when I think it unites, you know, you think of, I always go back to the Coca Cola commercial of the 70s, you know, I'd like to teach the world perfect harmony. That to me epitomizes uh, how it unites. There's no race, there's no religion, there's no judgments of country borders, there's no safety issues. It's simply people are finding music to gain pleasure. And relief and a source of comfort, which in many ways is a spiritual journey, right? So that's that's how I see music uniting, you know, versus very many other things that people uh, either pray to or support. Um, music is it equalizes the world. Put it that. Love way. I love that. It's so true. Did you watch the Grammys last night? Oh. Uh, was addicted. And I saw your post with uh, Smokey Robinson and 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 Stevie Wonder and Chris Stapleton. Stapleton. Like what? Yeah, it was amazing. Oh my God. I
1: thought that Grammy was incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So did I. I think it was like the best. And I don't know if it was the fact that they hadn't been together in person for three years or if it was just an unbelievably talented year or the combination of, you know, Lizzo and, and Adele. And I mean, that number itself, like just that was all amazing. of it was just... Yeah. And
3: just the 50 years of recognizing hip hop too, right? I mean, all of us, I mean, there were probably lots of people on that stage where thousands were going, who is that? Whereas in our family, yes. we were like, oh my goodness. LL Cool J and, you know, Usher.
1: (laughs) I love that. Well, I'm struck by a lot of your music. And one of the things I really was struck by was the wonderful duet you did of Total Eclipse of the Heart. And I just wanted to play it for our listeners. And I'm wondering if you could just briefly set the song up for us.
3: Sure. So, I mean, this is a classic ballad. You know, Bonnie Tyler was an icon back in the day. It's one that has stuck. I mean, you go to any, you know, wedding, cover band, performance, this is a classic that everyone, despite ever even being alive on this earth, they know this song. Also, I what I relate to is the video. If anyone remembers the video, it was one of the first videos ever, and the amount of production that that video entailed, it was an entire script. So for me, it is all-encompassing, and she was just such a force to be reckoned with, and a very unique tone of voice, right? So if you think about her, the Janis Joplins, the Melissa Etheridge's, very consistent, more um, you know, grainy type of raw sound, which is really what the song is about. So that's why I so
1: enjoy performing it. Awesome. So without further ado, here is Rochelle singing Total Eclipse of the Heart. Due to international copyright law, podcasts are unable to include music. Music can only be played on the live radio broadcast. Finding Your Bliss airs every Saturday at 1pm. If you'd like to hear this artist's music, you can find the link to our Finding Your Bliss SoundCloud in the episode description. Oh my God, Rochelle, your voice is so sensational. That was incredible. I know we're we're short on time, but I have to say this because last night, what was the surprise of the night? Bonnie Raitt. (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) Bonnie Raitt winning that award at the end of the night. Oh my God. So I have to share this with our listeners, you singing one of my favorite tunes of all time. It's a fabulous cover of Bonnie Raitt's Let's Give Them Something to Talk About. Without further ado, let's all have a listen to Rochelle Coleman singing a clip from Let's Give Them Something to Talk About. Oh my God. Rochelle, that was so phenomenal. Thank you. Your voice is so. Honestly, it's next level. I love your voice. What is bliss for Rochelle Coleman? Bliss for Rochelle Coleman
3: is just continuing to make people smile and entertain them with music. I don't do this for copious amounts of money. I don't do this for any fame or fortune. I just really, the best bliss for me is having a comment or someone come back and say, you made my day. I needed that song at that time. And that's why I really try hard on social. So, and hopefully people will come out and see us in terms of live music. And I'll be clear to point that out on when we're playing. That is my
1: bliss, just smiles of others and focusing on their happiness. It was happening while you were singing right now. I was, I think you could see, yeah. I was totally digging it. You, you're you so talented. You're so terrific. I would have to have you back oh. on again because there's a million more questions and I, we want to hear yeah. you sing. And will you come back on the show? Absolutely, in a heartbeat.
3: <laughs> it's an amazing show. I love it. I'm tuned in every time. I If I can't, I get the podcast.
1: So uh, congrats on finding your bliss. Thank you, Rochelle. What's the best way for people to contact you, connect with you on social media so we can follow you and see where you're performing in your band. Sugar Rush around town and, and so on.
3: Yeah, so if you uh, Instagram, you can find me at uh, Zwa Mom, which is uh, my son's name with the word mom after it. <laughs> Facebook by name, YouTube, TikTok, you name it, I'm on it. You'll find me pretty easily.
1: It was so great having you on the show today, Rochelle. You really are a super talent and uh, it was just delightful. I I loved every minute of it. It Thank you. And you
3: are amazing to be interviewed by. So thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Rochelle. Each week, we spotlight a singer or musician on the show. So if you're a singer or musician, please reach out to us at FYB at findingyourbliss.com as well. If you're an author, artist, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, or really anyone who has found and is following their bliss, we'd love to hear from you. Are there any guests or topics that you'd love to hear about on our show? Write to us at FYB at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also a life coach, and you can find me again at findingyourbliss.com, Insight Timer, under. Judy Liebrach. And of course, you can always find us at the Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. I would like to thank all of our wonderful guests, Karen Zeifman and Michelle Coleman for being on the show today. Also, thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kylie, producer Naira Amani, audio engineer, Juliana Yanisiello, senior editor, Lauren Kaminsky, video editor, Sierra Brown-Rodriguez, audio producer, Faz Causey, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrack reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss.